888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Learning with Leslie. I am your host, Leslie Samuel from learningwithleslie.com. And I have the most exciting episode for you today. I am very excited for two reasons. First reason, you can probably see. And that reason is this is my first video podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, if you're listening to this on iTunes, you're listening to it on your MP3 player or something of that sort, stop it right now and come over to the blog at learningwithleslie.com and watch this podcast. Not only that, reason number two is because I have a very special guest on the line today. I have Tyrone Shum, a fellow blogger who started around the same time that I did. He lives in Australia and has become an expert on the topic of outsourcing, which is something that I'm very interested in. Um, based on his experiences, working, going from working 60 hours a week on his business all the way down to 10 hours a week using some principles of outsourcing, principles that have changed the way he does business online. And we're going to hear what he's done. We're going to learn what we can do and how we can use the same principles and apply them in our business. So, Tyrone, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, hey, Leslie. Really cool to be here. I'm really excited as well, too. Yeah, yeah I love the music. Awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You like the little groove? Oh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. I'm sitting here going, man, I got to pick this up now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's fun stuff. And then I, it, you, you heard my, that was my wife singing at the beginning, by the way, singing the, the, the oh, nice. let, me, let me play it again for you to hear it. Here, the, just in case you want to call into the hotline, Tyrone, the number is 888-835-2414. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool, man. <laughs> you, you know, I've, I've had some of my listeners tell me that that's the best part of my podcast. <laughs> and I don't, know if that's, sure is, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but hey, we're going to take it for what it's worth. Anyhow, Tyrone, I'm so glad that we could connect. We haven't spoken in a while, so it's good that we can come on here now and we can find out a little bit of where you are, what's going on. And not only that... I want my listeners to leave this interview with some practical steps that they can take away, implement in their business to help it grow. Is that okay with you? Yeah, it's all good. I'm always happy to share these little tips and strategies that I've been implementing for my business as well. So yeah, let's fire away. Awesome. Let's go. Now, I want to I talk about how you got to where you are right now. But before that, let's, let's just look at right now. Um, what exactly is your business all about right now? In other words, I guess the easy way of asking it, well, the the way that everybody likes to ask it is, how do you make money online? Yeah, well, at the moment, what I've been doing a lot is I've been sort of laying a little bit low in terms of doing the things in the back end and we've been monetizing a lot of different niche sites that we've got. If you've heard, Pat Flynn and I did a little niche challenge back going almost last year now actually, end, to end of, towards the end of last year in 2010 which was back in November and I said, hey Pat, I'm looking to build some niche sites as well and um, he said he was doing the same. So I said, all right, let's just do this publicly and we mm -hmm. started a little niche dual challenge and uh, we did that and it went really, really well. A lot of people followed us, did what we did as well and just implemented a lot of the strategies. And since then, I've still been doing that and I've been growing my business through that side as well is just been building these niche sites and continually building more of them and monetizing them. So that's one of the strategies that I'm using right now to basically spread the risk of where I'm going. Before, I was focused quite a lot on selling products online and also doing a lot of um, internet-based products, internet marketing products such as my outsourcing program, mm -hmm. uh, selling other affiliate products which is I still do that as well. But um, I find that those things require quite a bit of work and I've been doing that for quite some time but that's, that's good income there but they're very bursts, uh, short bursts of income Okay. whereas I was looking for more passive type of income. That's the reason why I looked into doing these niche sites. So that's pretty much where I make most of my money there from and also I do do a bit of consulting work as well along the side. So I get companies in 
that we do some outsourcing um, consultancy and also web development consultancy as well for them. And um, I teach pre pretty much a lot of people as well how to do outsourcing on my site at outsourcinglive.com. Yeah, so that's where the bulk of everything happens. I've got a few few fingers in different pies, if you want to put it that way. Well, you know, you, you said that really quick and it sounded really good, but I know that there's so much that's behind that. Um, niche sites. Now, okay, when you say niche sites, do you, how many niche sites do you currently have on the internet, if you know? Oh, well, I've got about, no, I've got exactly 10, 10 niche sites currently. Okay. And out of the 10, five of them are quite active. And most of them, the five of those are, are generating income. The rest of the five, we are still building. Basically, what's been happening over these last few months is that I've put a stronger push on it because what our goals have been is to choose a market where there's not as much competition. Okay. I think a lot of people realize this is kind of easier to say but not e as easy to do. It's like the share market saying, you know, buy low, sell high kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with, with, with us, with the niche sites, it's really doing the strong market research and making sure that you choose the right niche and then checking out what your competition is and also to see if there's a commercial value. And that's what we spent a lot of time doing over the last few months, finding these specific niche sites. And a lot of these ones don't have very much competition, but the thing is, is that they've got quite a lot of strong traffic that comes through. And from that point, we just had to take our next step, which is to monetize these sites as well. But before doing that, the building of the site, the way to get traffic from it and to build all that kind of um, backlinking, as you can say, to these sites have been quite a, a process and that's why it's taking a little bit longer. But the majority of these sites are now ranking on the page, first page of Google for their search terms in, in that market and not, not before long, I reckon we'll probably be ranking number one and once we get number one spotting for those keywords, there's going to be quite a lot of traffic that will come through which we can even monetize even further. That's yeah, so I guess, yeah, you might be wondering what, what the heck is a niche site? I should probably explain that yeah, to Yeah, go ahead to and, people. and define that. Define, defining a niche site is basically choosing a market where there is not much competition and there is a demand for that market. And a niche site could be anything that is specific in any market. It could be like, for example, I've got a particular niche that's in the life save, lifeguard saving industry. Oh. And yeah, <laughs> um, that's a very, it's a very, very niche type of market. So. Uh -huh. People who are looking to learn how to become lifeguards and looking to become a yeah a trainer in that there is a market in within that particular there and you've just got to find the right keywords and the right people to be able to tap into and there's a lot of people searching for that but there's not enough content or material or even a website out there to be able to satisfy that market. Now, so now let me ask you let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, with these niche sites that you're you're doing, okay, you do your keyword research. Are you are you at all interested in the topics that are being written about, or are you just going basically uh, based on the keyword research? If it makes sense to do, if it looks like it's going to be profitable, then you go for that. How, how do you approach that? <laughs> There's two ways I'm approaching. Yes, the first way is I, I, a lot of times when we're doing research, we choose markets that are commercially viable and currently at the moment that they do generate uh, quite a bit of traffic. So no, I, I'm not interested in, in like a few of these topics but there were about three of the topics that I chose that mm -hmm. I was interested in. So I did go that the rest of the seven that were chosen, no, I wasn't absolutely at okay. all interested in it. And the reason why is because I don't need to be interested is because my writers actually write the content for me. I actually don't sit there and physically write this content. I don't build any of the backlinks. Everything gets all outsourced which comes back down to my philosophy of outsourcing and that's the reason mm. why I teach about it because I outsource a lot of this stuff. I don't sit there and do it. So I've got a team of, of people who help me write the stuff, I build all these backlinks, send it and submit it out to the directories and drive traffic and also monetizing as well too. Now, so I, yeah, that's I, why I don't need to know about the topic that much. Gotcha. Now I feel like we can do a full interview just <laughs> just on those niche we sites sure alone. Can. I know. We can. <laughs> but since that's not the topic of the interview, I'm gonna ask one more question about that, just out of curiosity, for your your keyword research and so on. Are you using any particular tools? Yes, I am. There's a tool that I've recommended and we've used a lot. It's called Market Samurai. Yes. Um, if, but, yeah. I <laughs> like, I, you know, I like when people come on, on, on the interview and they're do, using similar things to me because it gives me some validation and it gets me a little excited. So go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's about you, <laughs> not me. Go ahead. 
the the Marcus Amrise is an awesome software. I actually know the the developer behind that, Eugene Ware. I oh. used to actually um be part of another mastermind group, but they they're down they're a Melbourne based company, so they're only interstate from where we are. Oh, and yeah, I mean they're not far, and I know that the people surrounding them like uh, Brett and Brett Hodson and uh -huh. all those other guys. I know a few of them as well. But they've d developed an incredibly powerful software and I've been using that software for so, so much that it has generated some really, really amazing results for us. And it's a great software once you know and understand it. And it's anyone can learn it. You, you just got to put a bit of time in it. And we just find keywords very, very quickly throughout the software. So yeah, yeah you're on the right track, man. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, I feel like I need to take a trip to Australia because there's so many of you guys down in that area. It'd be good <laughs> to connect with you guys up, down there or up there. I guess it's down there, right? Well, it's down there. Yeah, down you're, you're in there. the top and we're in the uh, bottom. All right, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> okay, so all right. Very interesting stuff. But we gotta move on. Let's actually let's go back. Let's take like a time machine visit um, back to how did you get to what you're doing right now? I know you had businesses before in terms of selling dragon boat paddles and a number of different mm. things. Kind of give us a, a little background as to how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. Well, just maybe I'll start back where I first uh, went to university because that probably give you a, a sort of foundation where I stumbled across and started business. Okay. Uh, I studied a Bachelor of Computer Science back at University of New South Wales, which is a, one of the main universities in Australia here or in, in Sydney. And during that time, I was also considering whether or not to go out and work in the computer industry. Uh, you know, I tried a little bit of work experience to get some hands-on experience with IT. And, after probably a few months, I just didn't like it. So it kind of raised the question is, what am I going to do after I finish uni? Yeah. And at that same point in time, my auntie actually gave me the book Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> I'm pretty sure a lot of people have heard of that. Oh, this yeah. Was going back, <laughs> this was going back to the days when I was still fresh in the first year of uni. You know, oh. It kind of made me think, man, I don't know if I really want to go out and work in IT for, I don't know, 20, 30 years or so. And even though that IT pays you really well, you know, like quite a quite a substantial amount once you finish graduating, it wasn't something I was passionate about. It wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. So it started after reading the book. It started opening a few ideas and concepts. And one thing was talking about earning cash flow and and passive income from mm -hmm. the assets that you build. And I first dabbled in in terms of um making a small little business to generate some passive income, some cash flow was actually a vending machine business. Oh. And I, yeah, that, that's how I first started, my little first business. It was a small business just to get myself off the ground and just to make some money. And once I dabbled in that and I understood the concepts, I decided, all right, I wanted to sell this business, which I did end up selling it. And I was actually very, very heavily involved in a sport called dragon boating as well too. Mm -hmm. Around that same time, I just got into it. A friend of mine said, hey, come and check out dragon boating. And I said, what's that? <laughs> a lot of people go and said to me, what the heck? That? So yeah, dragon boating is, is, is a sport where it comes from the Chinese origins back in China. Uh -huh. And what happens is that there's about 20 people sit on this massive long boat and paddle down about 250 meters oh, to 500 Oh, that's what dragon boating is. All right. Yeah. No dragons involved. Okay, good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you've got a dragon head at the front and you've got this, Either, either this person sitting in the front just hammering down the drum, you know, and uh -huh. counting the beat. And uh, you're, you're watching these people just go down. It's not the most interesting spectator sport, but it's the most fun when you're in the boat because it's really a community event. You've got like 20 people in the boat. It's a lot of fun. Gotcha. So I got into that. A lot of my friends said, hey, just come and check this out. And I said, all right, why not? Anyway, what happened was I got really serious about it because I didn't realize that you could actually compete nationally and also internationally with this sport. Uh -huh. I didn't realize it's that big. So I got really, really heavily into it. And um, before you know it, I started spending money on buying equipment. I started spending money on getting clothing, shoes, paddles, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get the best, best gear. But unfortunately, in Australia, there wasn't anyone that was selling these kind of paddles that I was looking for. Like they were really light carbon fiber paddles that were strong, that were light, and they were really, really top-performing equipment. Okay. And in order to get that, you had to import it from the US or import it from over Canada. Now... I thought, okay, why not? I'll go, go see if I can get in contact with them, supplies, buy one of these paddles, and it wouldn't be a problem. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't realize how much it was going to cost me to buy one of these paddles and to ship it over. I uh, thought, all right, yes. it probably cost me maximum $200, $250 to get the paddle. And I said, yeah, that's no problem. I'm willing to pay that for a good paddle. 
And then they said, all right, well, to ship that across is going to cost you another 250 And I thought, what? <laughs> That's always fun. Yeah, 500 bucks to ship one piece of paddle over is a little bit pricey. So it got me thinking, thinking, wow, I wonder if I could just try and get a group order and get a few people together to try and order something in like this. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to a lot of my friends around the community and they said, hey, I'm ordering this particular paddle and I'm interested in getting a group order. Would you guys be interested? And they said, yeah, definitely. We're all pretty much in the same team. We're all going to be competing and looking to get something that's going to help us increase our time. Obviously, mm-hmm. with a lighter paddle, we're going to be able to get further, we're going to get faster times, et cetera, et cetera. Gotcha. So before I knew it, I got um, a group of about 20 to 30 paddlers who are ready to order these paddles, and I put a group order in. And I thought, all right, well, if I was to order a little bit more, I could probably pretty much order some of this paddle equipment in and on sell it down the track, which is what I did. And okay. funny thing is, is that I ordered about 40 paddles, and once I got all these paddles across, I sold them all and made a profit and paid for my own paddle for free. Oh, no. Nice. So, That's always good. It is. So before you knew it, it was like, okay, well, there's an opportunity here. And there's a lot of people still demanding it. it wasn't, this was not going to be the first order. People were asking me, where can I get a paddle? I thought, oh, okay, I better start ordering some more paddles in. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, okay, I don't want to run a retail shop. I didn't want to do this full-time, I wanted to run it all online. So I set up a store online, went and created a website, got involved with the suppliers, spoke to them and said, look, I want to import these kind of paddles across, set up all the systems that were in place, and bang, you know, that's how I started. So within, before long, you know, this business turned into a six-figure income business. Oh, in nice. About probably, oh, how long was it? 12, yeah, 12 to 18 months. Nice. It was 12 to 18 months that, that it took to bring that kind of income in. But... You know, really, dragon boating is only in the summertime. So, in actual fact, only about eight months of the year is when I actually sold these products, and okay. four months of the year I took off. Okay. So that's how really how I got started into online business because at the end of the day, I did not want to work full time in anything, sitting behind a desk uh-huh. or have a retail shop, be tidy in nine to five hours. And basically, that's how this business was started. Just got myself a group of paddles in. People wanted it. There was a demand in the market. And basically, I just set up a website and people were coming online just to buy it through word of mouth. It just spread. Now, you, you set up a website to sell it, but where did you, st- did you store the stuff at home or? Yeah, uh, just okay. stored it in the garage. You know, I had a, nice. had a, a one, one car garage, which I just stored all that equipment in there. And I parked my car outside. And every time a shipment came in, I just put all the paddles in there. And once people were ordering, I just ship it back out. <laughs> And so, about how, how many paddles would you how many paddles would you have in your garage at any one given time? Well, we try to keep stock low. You know, that's the main thing is not okay. to keep them all in. But on average, we're probably ordering about sixty to about eighty paddles on average every time we make an order, and we turn those orders over pretty quickly. And then you just keep doing that. I mean, sometimes we might order over. Actually, we have we've ordered about one hundred and fifty paddles at oh, one wow. go as well. Too in the past. So that's a pretty big shipment for us. That's but awesome. But to store this, you know. So you, you, yeah, s- you saw a need and you said, okay, this is a need. I'm going to meet that need. You met that need and you were able to grow a six-figure business. Exactly. But, <laughs> you know, with running any new business, you got to put time and involvement into it. But and of course. <laughs> I was the one that was involved doing all that too. Did you I have any realize... partners? Sorry? Did you have any partners or was it just you? It was originally a partner who started off with me at the beginning and okay. then eventually I bought him out because the business was doing that well and he didn't, he didn't want to be involved in it anymore. Gotcha. So yes, we originally started off with the partner and then I bought him out eventually. Um, but I, I, what happened was when I, after I bought him out, there was obviously a lot more work for me and yeah. that's where I realized, wow, I turned myself into another job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's that's what what happened. I worked. I was working about sixty hours plus a week. I was doing all the packing, handling all the customer support, dealing with all the sales, and dealing with all the marketing, all that kind of stuff. And I realized, wow, <laughs> why the heck am I working in this business when I should be actually having a business for for freedom? That's that's really the whole mm-hmm, goal, and mm-hmm. and what I learned from Rich Dad Poor Dad. Okay. And uh, funny enough, around that same time as well, Tim Ferriss released his book, The Four Hour Work Week. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. So when that happened, um, I picked it up from the bookstore and I thought, you know, I really, really could actually do something very similar to what Tim did because Tim just as well, he also had a distribution business selling protein supplements to uh-huh. a specific target market and he also had a team behind him trying to get all these things and he said he was doing a lot of it himself before uh-huh. but when he realized that he could actually outsource a lot of this stuff, 
he actually took that next step and did that and I thought, wow, if Tim can do it, I'm pretty sure I could take some of this stuff and that's where I started outsourcing a lot of my stuff and I, I yeah, that's exactly where I started to see some success and, and take it down from that 60 hours a week down to 10 hours a week okay. and having a lot of my stuff outsourced. Okay, so you started outsourcing. What's the first thing you got rid of? Customer service. Ah, yes. <laughs> That's that a biggie. takes a lot of time because the emails that come through, I was getting a lot of emails. People were asking very much the same questions yeah. but it was just answered in a slightly different way. So I taught my virtual assistant how to answer these emails uh-huh. and also we had pre-written emails as well and all she had to do was either copy and paste them and just send them out or send people to the frequently asked questions page and that literally cut down a majority of the time that I spent. And also too, the thing is web development took me a lot of time because being a programmer, I thought I could use my skills and yeah. create my own website yeah. which is initially what I did but I didn't realize that there was just so much time involved in fixing it up, main, managing it and maintaining it and stuff like that and that was the second thing I decided to outsource which was to hire a full-time programmer to manage the website as well. So once again, that cut down a lot of my hours and therefore I was like thinking, oh, what should I do next? <laughs> and what did, what did I do for your income? Did it go down first and then go up or did it stay the same? What happened as a result of this outsourcing process that you went through? It actually, it actually stayed the same for a little bit of time and okay. then eventually what happened was once the systems were in place because I hadn't got the systems fine-tuned at that point in time, then it went up dramatically and I was able to take a lot more time off. And that was the surprising thing was that when you first initially outsource, you don't really see much happening because yeah. yes, you're thinking, okay, there's still income that's coming in which is great but you, you're still, because you're out of the business um, and you're still thinking about how to be able to strategize it, things just keep clocking over and you're still making the same but once you actually take a step back and start working on the business and not mm-hmm. working, the, working in the business, mm-hmm. you start to see the changes and then that's when you can start to think strategically what to do next and that's what happened. I thought strategically and just let those things get out and implemented them and that's, that's where it really, really made a huge difference. Once you take yourself out of the equation of working in the business and doing all the day-to-day managing the emails, packing, dispatching, fixing up the website, then you can take a step back and go, okay, where can I take this business mm. next? Where can I find the next um, potential opportunity to be able to tap into so that way we can expand the business to generate more revenue from a different form? And you know, and that's, that's, and that, that's exactly the direction that I want to be heading in. That's a, exactly what I want my listeners to learn from listening to this interview. So we, we're going to get into some practical things that they can do. But right before we move into that, Okay, right now you no longer do the selling of the dragon boat paddles. Is that correct? Yes, I actually sold that business out. uh, How how did you decide to do that? Oh, I just said I didn't want to do it anymore. I got sick of it. (laughs) I got you. So you wanted to try something new. Yeah, I wanted to try something new. And also too, I thought I could take this capital and buy a house, which is what I did Ah. um, eventually because, you know, there's enough money to be able to put a deposit down to buy a house and I thought, why not? You know, I don't mind if I go and buy myself a house, I can find another opportunity to grow another business, which is what I did exactly. And um, also too, I wanted to to take a different direction as well. When was that? Try to remember now. Um, It was about three, three years ago. Yeah, going back three years now, 2008. If I remember, well, 2000, no, 2009, that's when I sold the business. Oh, so, so two that's years not ago. that long ago. Yeah, no, it's not that long ago, but it just felt so long because I've been doing outsourcing for, <laughs> teaching people outsourcing for the last couple of years, you gotcha. know, quite, quite, quite a lot. So it feels like it's been a long time ago. Awesome. Okay, and now we're going to change gears. And to change gears, I actually had a call. Um, someone called into my hotline. You heard the number earlier, sang to you. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> left a question about outsourcing. And I thought, hey, why should I answer the question about outsourcing when I'm going to be interviewing Tyrone? So I'm going to play the question for you. And, and yeah, we'll start with that question. You can answer that and then we're going to move on. So this question is from Rochelle um, from SimplyNaturalIdeas.com. Cool. Hi, this is Rochelle Hansen calling from SimplyNaturalIdeas.com. Um, For someone who is relatively new to blogging, like myself, what would you say is the best task to outsource in order to get the best bang for your buck? Yeah, that's my question. And I love your show. Okay, bye. (laughs) 
All right, so that's her question. How are you going to answer that so that Rochelle can feel satisfied and she can go out and start outsourcing tomorrow, maybe? Hey, that's nice. That's a, that's a great question. Um, firstly, I guess with blogging, a lot of people come and ask me what, what is really the first thing and, and things that they struggle with, they say to me, is usually the technical side of things. And that kind of side should be the first side that I'd recommend outsourcing first because the fact is is that not everybody has technical skills and to set up a blog, to create the blog and mm-hmm. all that, shouldn't, you shouldn't be spending your time doing that because the fact is is that your time, your most bang for the buck if you want to put it that way should be your blogging which is your writing mm-hmm. and you should be getting really good content out there and also marketing your content as well and that's what should be the key focus. Therefore, the things that you shouldn't be doing is the technical side of things the administration side of things and you can outsource all that and um, I think you know, the most classical example is to get a really nice blog design for your site. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money on it yeah. but to create a, a good blog design and to get someone to do that technically well and to make sure that it works properly, that's something that I recommend highly outsourcing. Now, if you're starting to get quite a bit of traffic through to your site and you're getting a lot of emails like we were as well, mm-hmm. like for my outsourcing life, we get quite a number of emails as well and I don't answer all emails myself. I Only the ones that are either personal and that I need to answer, I will step in but pretty much everything's all handled by my virtual assistant. We've got like this ticket support system which pretty much handles all the emails that come through directly to us and my virtual assistant which is Joanna, she'll go in there and answer all that for me. Uh-huh. So if you do get a lot of emails, outsource that as well to get a customer service representative to help you and assist you with that. And obviously, you need to train that person but it will definitely, definitely save you time because that allows you to focus on your writing which I'm pretty sure that's what you're passionate about yeah. and also too, to allow you to do a lot more marketing and connecting with other bloggers on the net because that's really, if you don't connect with other bloggers on the net, you won't be able to get your content out as quickly yeah. as, as you hope. Now, now, let's say I'm a blogger because I remember, I remember being in this exact situation. Um, <laughs> yes, we I, do too. <laughs> I, I'm a blogger. I, I'm writing articles to my blog. I don't have a ton of traffic as yet, um, but I'm getting traffic. I'm getting people leaving comments. I'm not getting a lot of emails. I have a nice design on my blog. I, I got a premium theme, and I already got someone to design a nice header. So my blog is working all in terms of the design and the layout. That's fine. I'm just producing content, and things are just kind of moving along smoothly. Mm. What do I outsource in that situation? Do I need to outsource anything in that situation? What's your opinion on that? Uh, okay. Well, or, it's or been a while since maybe I've maybe actually, maybe it, another way. Just I didn't mean to interject, but no, maybe okay. another way of looking at it is: what can I outsource to help to take it to the next level? Okay, that's a good question. Yeah. That's probably better better in that sense. Yeah. To outsource to the next level, I'd probably say you want to try and get your blog content out there to as many people as possible. So to help you with that, to hire a virtual assistant, you might be able to get them to handle the administration side of things such as posting your blogs on the net Um, because I know that sometimes Mm. it takes a bit of time to actually get the formatting, Mm -hmm. to get all that error correction, to make sure that it's it's nicely fine images to put into it. That takes time and if it takes at least half an hour to about an hour to get that done, I know sometimes it may take less then you probably want to be able to get some hands to help you then. If you're cranking out five to six posts a week, uh-huh. um, that's going to be a bit of time there where yeah. you could actually be spending that time promoting and getting out there to meet other bloggers and doing interviews and also connecting with other bloggers out there. And potentially as well, if you want to drive traffic and to build backlinks to your site, then you could definitely get someone to help you there because that will also help with your search engine ranking as well. True. I mean, a, a lot of stuff behind the scenes you don't see on our blogs because the fact is, is that people are actually building. Like for example, on a daily basis, my team is building backlinks to my site. You don't know that but that's just because it, it, it's just happening in the background and if you want to get more traffic to your site, you definitely need something like that. You also want to get your, your staff if you do look at outsourcing to help them build um, and get your articles getting out onto different directories, mm-hmm. which is exactly what we do as well too. Okay. So those are sort of like little little things that do happen in the background, but I think a lot of people don't realize how important it is because it really helps you syndicate your content to a larger audience as well. Mm-hmm. But um, to, to grow to really the next level, yeah, I mean, I would definitely say one, you hire a virtual assistant to be able to help you take over some of the administration tasks such as 
posting up your blog content onto the net, finding pictures for you to put onto your blog, um, helping you answer any sort of comments and emails and stuff like that on your blog as well and also helping you perhaps to build backlinks and building um, more traffic to your blog as well. And that's how I first initially started with outsourcing with blogging. And then once you want to take it to that next level, I guess the thing is is that you want to be able to get someone to help you with regards to maintaining the blog uh, um, such as a, a developer. You know, yeah. you may want to add more functions to it. And I think a lot of people don't realize is that if you really are looking, considering to making money on your blog to really monetize your blog, you really should be having systems set up to be able to allow for people to purchase items um, through a sales funnel. Things like um, people <laughs> look at one as being maybe monetization strategy is uh, advertising. And yes, you can put ads on the front of your blog which can make you a bit of money as yeah. well. But there is also what we call the back end and this is where you can actually promote products in the back of your blog that people go in. So once they sign up to say a newsletter that you provide for free or something like that or give away a free ebook, there are potential options once they've gone through a, say a few of your emails and got to really know you, you can actually offer them a product that suits your market and these are systems that will require some way to help you and set them up. Yeah. That's just an, uh, like things that I can just share with you in terms of what I've done in the past to be able to help grow my business in the back there and definitely something that people probably overlook a bit and uh, sort of focus just on the blogging side and to create that um, front, I guess, side of things as well. And you know, that's a, that's a good point because I have a, I don't know if you know about my, my biology blog, but I have a biology blog where I post biology videos on a regular basis. Mm. And what I do is I make my videos, I upload them to YouTube, and I don't know how many people know about this, but then I send a message to um, someone that's working with me, someone that I've outsourced to, and then she goes, she transcribes the videos, she posts exactly. the video to my blog, she formats everything that needs to be formatted. So all I had to do was make the video and upload it, and she takes care of everything else, and that saves a lot of time. Yes, and that's exactly what I do as well. I, I should have mentioned that. Is on Outsourcing Life, the only things that I do is record the video. Yeah. I store it onto a place called SugarSync and uh -huh. my video editor takes that from SugarSync and edits all my videos for me. Nah, and then once I he's edited those videos, then he'll contact the virtual assistant to do all the transcriptions, uploading, adding the text, the copy, etc., etc. And it just gets happened from there. Then she goes through that traffic strategy. Obviously, it's all a system and they just follow of the procedures that we set in place but basically that's what outsourcing can do for you if you want to take it to that next level and um, as you heard Leslie does exactly the same thing so that's really cool to know that you're doing it as well. Yeah, that's awesome and it, and it really helps you to accomplish much more. A lot of people ask me, well, yes. how do you do so much and I do do a lot, I'm not going to lie but I wouldn't be able to do as much if I didn't outsource. Now, okay, so let's talk about outsourcing because I can imagine a lot of people are listening to this and they're thinking, whoa, I don't have money to outsource. Um, how affordable is it? I'm just starting. I don't have a lot of money. I may, maybe I make $100 a month or $500 a month. Talk, about, talk a little bit about that in terms of the cost. Yeah, sure. Uh, there are so many different ways that people can go through and outsource. There's, you can outsource locally. I mean, outsourcing in a term is very general. But if we're going to talk about specific sort of um, outsourcing to, say, uh, the Philippines, for example, mm -hmm. that would probably be something that people could relate to because it is a little bit lower cost. And I think the term outsourcing has also been associated with low costs and getting work done cheaply as well. Yeah. So to just define it, really outsourcing is just getting your work done by someone else, either be locally or it could be somebody that's on the other side of the world in another country. And I mean like really what we should be looking at is the results-based approach to see what can be done because you can hire someone full-time or you can hire someone part-time and just a virtual assistant, for example, for full-time would probably cost you anywhere between $400 to $450 a month. And when you say full-time, how many hours a week are they working? That's, that's full-time 40 hours a week. Um, okay. That's basically committed to your business. They may work more or they may work um, yeah, in their own time to do extra stuff for you. Okay. And then for part-time, it's 20 hours a week and it would probably be around about $250 to $300 a month for that. Okay. Now, depending on your business, if you do need someone there to be able to commit to your business, to run it, to manage it for you, which is eventually what you do need to do if you want to be able to have a sustainable business uh -huh. is to have them there maintain your business. But if you're just starting out, 
and you're not sure whether or not this is going to help you or if it's going to help you grow your business and stuff like that, then just try to outsource a project. Get a project done once mm -hmm. to see if that suits and works for you. And if it does work for you, then you can take that next step and to hire them on a full-time or part-time basis to be able to get other things done as well. I mean, I usually, in my personal opinion, if you can afford to do it, go straight and hire someone full-time because once you start training them, once you put them into a system, they're going to be there loyal to you and sticking with you for long term. And eventually, you know, if you want your business to grow, you really, really want to take yourself out of the business and let the other persons manage it and allow you to do other things that you want to do in the business. But to start out with, um, start off with a project. That's what I usually say to people is learn to do what and test out what outsourcing is all about. Test it out with one little project, maybe get them to do a web design on your website and to be able to get that fixed up for you or to take on just a few little minor tasks for you. And once you're comfortable with that, then you can consider doing that as a next step. And everybody's business is obviously going to be different. Yeah. You know, If you're in a situation where I'm ready to take it to that next step and to grow the business and to expand it and I need more help, then yeah, definitely hire someone full-time. But if you just start your blog and you haven't got a design up, you haven't got any, any content on your blog, then you probably might just want to be able to get someone to fix up a blog create the design and then for you to maintain the content and then once you start getting traffic and you can see that you're making money from your blog, you know, consider that next step. So yeah, beginners are, are very challenging and I, I know from my experience and when I first started outsourcing for my Dragon Boat business, mm -hmm. I, I was a bit hesitant as well. Um, I saw from Tim what he could do but I didn't know how to do it uh -huh. and the biggest challenge I faced was should I hire this person full-time? Should I hire this person part-time? Or should I hire this person just to do a project? Uh -huh. And for me, I just needed someone to be able to just maintain and fix up the website. So I went for a part-time basis when I first started. Okay. But eventually when I started to see that the business was needing some support and stronger systems in place, that's when I said, all right, I'm going to hire someone full-time and let them take over and run the business. And that's eventually what people should be aiming towards. So you basically start small and then you can build up. And, and you know, exactly. when I think about that, that's kind of how I started. When I first outsourced, I got someone, I think, to design a blog theme for me based on a theme that I had on my forum. And I wanted the blog to look consistent with the forum. And they did that. And I think I paid them something like 50 bucks. Um, yep. So you start with one pro project. And then I've gone on to hiring someone part-time. I did do full-time at one point and it didn't work out too well. Um, but, you know, you can grow. You can let it grow with you. You might outsource something and pay something like twenty, thirty dollars to get it done, um, but that's some time that you, sometimes you'll take ten hours trying to figure it out yourself. When you can pay someone to do it and they finish fig figure it out in two hours and you have it done exactly. better than you could do it yourself. So that's that's definitely awesome. Now, okay, I've outsourced an, uh, to a number of people in a number of different places all over the world, and especially in the beginning now i have someone that's awesome i mean she's just great but especially in the Excellent. beginning i have i had a really hard time getting <laughs> someone to do a good job, job. and i know yep. there's a strategy to finding the right person and so on so how do you go about finding that person that is right for you right for that task yeah well let me talk from my experience because I went through exactly the same thing as you did. I was really almost about to just chuck the tally and give up on it because <laughs> it just didn't work. And I thought, what the heck's going on? Why is it not working? I know how why, that is. Tim, why was Tim talking about all of outsourcing? It just didn't work for me. Um, okay, so this, that goes back to this. was When I first started, I read in Tim's book and said, okay, hire people from India. It's only like... Three no four dollars four dollars to five dollars an hour, uh -huh. and in comparison to like hiring people locally, which is going to be twenty twenty to twenty five bucks an hour, I thought, wow, that's an absolute bargain. So I thought, all right, I'll hop onto Elance, have a look, and yes, I did find people on I there did to be the able to same do thing, same site. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Elance is a good start for mostly project work mm -hmm. and uh, for freelancers, and it, it's very common for that over in in Elance because that's where most people try and make more money there. Because the fact is, they're freelancing; they're going to charge a higher rate, yeah. and therefore, you know, expect to just get projects done there. But the thing is, the quality of the people there are not looking for full time or part time work. They're not looking to actually be committed to a business. 
And the reason why um, I, I'd recommend if you can, as soon as you can to hire people part-time or full-time is because the skills and the training that you invest into training these people will be, mm. will be uh, literally kept with you in your business for the time that they're going to be with you as long as you know, they want to be. Whereas if you just went out and hired a freelancer and you start training them, giving all your systems to them and get into the completed project, you spent all that time training them but after the project's finished, they're gone. Yeah. And that's the downside of hiring a freelancer is because of that fact is that yes, you know, you're going to have to provide some knowledge for them to be able to understand what to do. Otherwise, they're just going to be scratching their head and go, I don't even know what exactly you want me to do because I don't understand your systems. Yeah. So coming back anyway. I first started on Elance, hired a person from India and I basically wanted this person as a virtual assistant to be able to handle my customer support emails and also just take over some of the administrative work that I had to do like changing invoices and fixing up here and there. And <laughs> interestingly enough, he was quoting me, I think it was $4.50 or $5 an hour and I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. And um, he said he'll be able to complete these tasks for me within say 20 hours and I thought, oh man, it shouldn't take 20 hours to do all these tasks. Oh my word, this is exactly the same thing that <laughs> happened to me. Go ahead, go ahead. And uh, I think you're like I, my I, brother or something yeah. and I just didn't know about it. I we, think, we look kind I of think, alike. <laughs> yeah, just hop on the video and you'll see the differences. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, go ahead with your story. Uh, so basically, what I realized was with hiring people from India and there's, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just that they come from a different culture and they will say yes to anything just to be get a job. And this is something that happens very much similar to a lot of people. I've heard of stories time and time over again. They'll say, yes, yes, we'll do it for you and we'll be able to complete it for you in this certain amount of hours. But in actual fact, once they get the job, they'll tell you that's going to actually take a lot longer than what it is and they'll charge you more for it. So in actual fact, when you hire them, you should actually consider firstly how long is a project really going to take and keep them accountable to that. Yeah. And if you if you go in there and say, oh, I just want to get a monthly monthly rate or an hourly rate, they'll just keep charging you until you, you pay up everything because the fact is is that they're not really here to try and get the task done but to actually make money. And that's the differences between their culture and say people in the Philippines. The people in the Philippines I work with are just very loyal, very honest and highly with high integrity that they will just be honest and tell you exactly how long a task will take and will not take advantage of that. So I, I struggled with the first hiring the virtual assistant because instead of taking say five hours to do a job, it took me 20 hours and I paid more than what I was supposed to pay and I could have done it myself yeah. and that was a learning experience. And um, I thought, all right, maybe it was just this one person, this person from India was going to muck around. And mm. I thought, all right, instead of chucking the towel, I'll go and try it again. Second time around, I decided to try and hire another virtual assistant who was, I think, about $4 an hour. I thought, even better, it's a, it's a bargain. But the same thing happened again. I, I offered all those things. I said, this is the time frame that I need to do it in and this is exactly what I need to be done. Uh -huh. But it came back to me with the same thing. It's going to take longer. This is how much it's going to cost. And I thought, what the heck is going on? And also to what was even worse was when I communicated something to them, it didn't get done the way I explained it. Even showing the diagrams, it just came back completely wrong. And I don't know what it was. And eventually I found out it was a cultural difference because yeah. what they perceive and interpret is different to what we perceive and interpret. And it's like you have to learn a whole new language to be able to teach them what to do. Mm -hmm. So I almost threw in the towel. That was the second time. And funny enough, I put another ad up and a lady from the Philippines contacts me and says, I would like to offer my services for you for $3.50 an hour. So as you can see, the progression of prices kept going down. And I'm going, what's going on here? I, mean, I was even happier though. You know, I was very lucky and I said to myself, wow, why the heck didn't you come to me earlier? Because when I, when I did have this person, which is Rochelle, you know, the first lady who, uh -huh. who approached me, she offered her services. I gave all my VA uh, administrative type of work to her and she just did it. She understood everything and she did not overcharge me. She got it done in a prompt manner and came back to me with everything done exactly the way I asked. And I was blown away. And that's where my first first experience of having a good virtual assistant was was from the Philippines. Yeah. And since then, I've never gone to any other country because you know, I've hired more people from the Philippines and, and I feel it's the same because of, of the cultural, cultural things that we understand. And they've been raised up with the Americanized Western culture. They understand exactly what yeah. we want and what we do. 
So coming back down to how should people hire and how should people find people from countries to outsource. Firstly, if you never ever outsourced before, I firstly would recommend to go to the Philippines. Okay. Just stick with the Philippines to hire people. You know, I'm not being racist or discriminative to say they're the only people. I mean, if you want to try different places like India, China and so forth, you're most welcome to. Mm -hmm. But I've experienced already firsthand what it's like to work in those countries and they are a little bit more costly in India and also China and that and also the cultural barrier differences is huge and that's what you need to look out and be aware of and the language as well. Yeah. As you may may or may not know, Filipinos have very strong fluent English. Yeah. When they go through university, when they go through school, English is one of their main languages. So therefore, they've been taught that way and also been sort of westernized as well. So it's like as though they're just in a different country, speak the same language yeah. but at a lower cost because of the exchange rate and the economy. So that's somewhere that I'd recommend to go and check out. Now, in terms of resources, don't go to Elance or Odesk or any of those places. Hey, to try I use them. Odesk. <laughs> I love Odesk. What's the problem? What's the problem with Odesk? No, we're gonna have a no, fight no, no. now. Let's I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's bad. Tell me what say. is wrong with Odesk. <laughs> I want to what know. What I would recommend to it's because Elance and Odesk are mostly freelancers and they're mostly people who are just there to do one-off projects, and that's fine. You know, <laughs> yeah. if you're looking for that, that's cool. But if you are looking for someone who is going to be dedicated in your business and working with you in your business, definitely go and find a job board inside of Philippines. And there's a good job board oh, okay. called bestjobs.ph yes. which allows you to be able to find good quality candidates from there. And they're basically employees looking for a full-time job. They're not there to just muck around and just take on one-time projects or freelancers. No, but anyone, and, any and anyone can get access to best jobs, right? They can get access to it as long as they pay a fee, yes. Oh, I see, I <laughs> It's see. a monthly fee of I think $30 per month or so but anyone can get access to that and you can get access to their resumes and their databases and stuff like that. Okay. Now, compare, compare this to say Elance. Elance has a lot of people on there who are freelancers. They uh -huh. charge an hourly rate and the hourly rate might be something like $5 an hour okay. whereas on best jobs, they charge you a monthly rate which would probably be equivalent to like a dollar to a dollar fifty per hour. Okay. And I know that the differences are substantial when you look at it on a monthly rate. And that's because these people here are actually wanting to get paid the same amount of what they would get paid if they were working full-time with an employer in the Philippines. Uh -huh. And that's the biggest difference. It's because of the economies that we have. Whereas freelancers know, oh, okay, I could charge $5, $10 an hour because that's what Americans or Australian people are willing to pay in their local countries. So that's why they're able to make a larger profit margin. And obviously, as a freelancer, they're not going to get consistent work. So that's the reason why they charge more. But if you do want to get someone who is going to be dedicated for your business, then something like bestjobs.ph. Now, I've got another website which is a virtual staff finding service from my good friend Chris Ducker. Um, mm -hmm. it, you can get access to it at um, is it www.getvirtualstafffinder.com. Okay. And through that link there, it'll take you straight to his site. And basically, that service there helps you find Filipinos working for you full time. What they'll do is that you give them your criteria of what you want and then they'll go out and find the people for you instead of you finding themselves. And you just go through that interview process ah, with yes, them. Yes, I heard about him and his service. Yeah, it's, it's very, very good. I've been using it and I've been recommending it to a lot of people and I, I personally have hired people through that myself. So I know how good the quality of the candidates are and that saves me a lot of time. And that's something that if you are considering to hire people directly, then that would be a service I could recommend because you don't have to go through and do all that uh, research and all that filtering of people gotcha. yourself. So yeah, there are two differences. That's, that's what I'm saying. So start off with, with people in the Philippines. That's probably the easiest way to, to get started. And then secondly, go to a reliable job website which will be able to help you find the people there. And um, if you're not looking for full-time or part-time, then yeah, go for Odesk. Odesk has a lot of good people there just yeah. to do one-time projects for you or one-off projects. Yeah, and you know, I don't want to make it seem as if if you hire someone from I India, then it'll be bad or anything of that sort. That's no, not no. necessarily the case. Um, you've had your experiences. I've had experiences that are similar. I know of others that have had great experiences with um, working with people from India. Um, I, I work with someone from the Philippines now. She's great. Her English is better than mine sometimes <laughs> uh, uh, and you know she's she's transcribing biology videos where i'm using very complicated terms and she gets them all um yes 
yesterday I uploaded a video. I made a spelling error. She corrected me and said, hey, you spelled this kind of wrong. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> um, but she's really good, and I, I really enjoy working with her. Yes, I got her on Odesk, and, um, <laughs> but it, it well, worked, I mean, I it worked very well for me. Land, so, you know, yeah. that, that's a start. Yeah, a definitely. Start. Definitely. Okay, I, you know, I have a question. Because the sure. last time I wrote an article about, and we're not going to take much longer, but the last time I wrote an article about outsourcing, um, I, there were some people that responded very strongly against my article. And mm, what I've they were saying <laughs> is, how are you going to, well, I, I, I used to love what you do, but now I'm not going to read your blog anymore because you're talking about paying people slave wages and, and all that kind of stuff. How do you respond to that? Because I mean, sometimes you're paying these um, guys two, three dollars an hour, when you, you would normally pay someone sometimes ten, fifteen, twenty dollars an hour for that type of stuff. How do you respond to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I get this question a lot of times, and even when I had a blog post, or actually it was a video post, I said, "Am I exploiting?" Outsourcing, because uh -huh. that's my topic there, uh -huh. outsourcing. And I got a lot of comments on that one. A lot of people gave some really positive feedback saying that, no, I'm not because the fact is this is the way it is. And if you're running a business, you you would probably be, should be taking advantage of this because other companies in the world are going to be. And unfortunately, that's just the, not unfortunate, but for us, for everyone in the world, it's just the way that that's where the economies are heading. So that's reality of life. But I'm not going to be that harsh. I mean, to be honest, I look after my virtual staff because if, if there are things that they need, I'm more than happy to pay for it and I do look, look after them in that sense. I also provide them bonuses and rewards. But coming back down to paying them like 2 or $3 an hour or even a dollar, $1, $1.50 an hour, that in actual fact is just a conversion rate back over to say US dollars. Mm -hmm. When you convert it over to the Filipino currency which is their own currency in there, they're actually getting paid quite a good rate because yeah. since we're foreigners, we're paying them a little bit more than what they would get locally yeah. if they're working for an employer full time. So let's say, for example, um, if I was working here in Australia and I was a full time programmer, my rate would probably be something like my full time salary would probably be $100,000 for the whole year. Uh -huh. You take the $100,000 and put it into the Filipino currency, that's what they're getting paid. But because of the exchange rate, and we divide that by 40,000 or 40, sorry, it comes down to only about 20,000. Uh, a year in terms yeah. of Australian currency or, or US currency and that's one of the major reasons why it looks like it's very low but it's just because of the exchange rates that we do have and the economies that we do deal with. Mm -hmm. But when you do go over there, they are living quite comfortably and they are getting paid what they're worth over there and if you start to pay them what they're getting paid here as US dollars, they'll probably go, you must be crazy. You know, I don't <laughs> believe you. You're a scam. It doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like they could probably if take over, over the world you, over I'm there. Gonna pay you, if I'm going to pay you a million dollars, uh -huh. would you just take it? <laughs> or would you go, hmm, this sounds a bit strange. <laughs> it's the same thing, you know. And, and I think a lot of people just didn't realize that. And, and that's just something that happens as an economy and that is an advantage for us mm -hmm. but at the same time for them, we are providing jobs for them because yeah. the fact is is that their economy struggles with providing jobs. Uh -huh. There's not enough companies in there locally to be able to provide enough jobs and the more jobs that we can provide for them, the more people are going to be happy, they're going to be better off and also at least they can provide for their families as well. What's worse is that they don't, if they don't have a job and they don't have anybody looking, uh, providing any work from internationally, uh -huh. the economy will, will actually struggle yeah. and that's what we're doing. We're actually helping this economy grow and get out of what it is right now. So no, I don't think we're exploiting or I don't think we're, we're you know, treating them badly, we're paying them this low. It's just the way the things are with the economy and you are doing a good thing if you are able to hire someone from there. Mm -hmm. Now, another flip side is people have asked me, so <laughs> are you actually cutting jobs down in our local economy? Yeah. Because the fact is, is that you're sending jobs overseas into a, a, another country. That means that jobs locally here could potentially be lost. Yeah. And yes, that, that's going to happen. I mean, <laughs> look at the large companies when they have to downsize, particularly in this economy, they have to be able to keep and maintain what the company is worth. And if they don't do that, they're going to go bankrupt and they'll probably go under themselves. Yeah. And unfortunately, people will lose jobs because of that. But that means that you have to be able to go out there and be better as an employee to find better skill sets to get something that's going to be better off for you because at the end of the day, there's plenty of opportunities out there and um, 
yeah, if, if you can try and get ahead of the game, I'm very sure that you'll be able to find something out there that will suit the people who lose jobs. Yeah, and, and not only that, um, if the choice is between hiring someone in the Philippines for a, a, a very good price and hiring someone locally and you have to pay significantly more, more money than you have probably to invest in your business, you, you're not going to hire that person anyhow. So it, exactly. it, 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 it works out well. Um, you, you, you get to accomplish more and who knows, later on you might be able to hire some people locally if that's the direction that you want to go. Um, but that, that definitely does make a, a lot of sense. One more question on outsourcing. Um, how do you manage sure. your outsourcers? Okay. Um, well, basically what's really important before you do manage them is to make sure that you have good systems in place. Okay. And I know I've talked about systems quite a bit, but I'll give you some specifics in regards to systems. Firstly, have a project management system in place, which uh -huh. is very crucial. And there's, there's a good one out there called Basecamp HQ. That's uh -huh. something I've been using and also recommending. I used to use a software called Active Collab as well, and that's really good. Uh -huh. But I find that I, I go back to simplicity. I wanted to make things simple and easy and fast, and I went back to Basecamp HQ. Yeah, everyone so keeps telling me about Basecamp from 37 Signals, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. It's okay. a really good piece of software and it's free to set up your first account and I've just been using that free account for a while now. Oh, really? So I haven't had, yeah, wow. I, I can share with other people how to do that. All you have to do is just um, set up a, a free account in Basecamp and just stick with one project and within each project, you just set up multiple projects. Uh, Therefore, you don't have to... <laughs> okay, <laughs> now I'm there, actually so. going to try out this Basecamp <laughs> stuff that I've been hearing so much about. All right, continue. <laughs> That's really good. It's a good piece of software. We use that every day. Um, that's one area. You got to make sure you centralize your system. So if you've got passwords, login information, content that they need to access, put it into that system so that way they don't have to keep coming back to you and say, hey, Tyrone, can I get access to this and so forth. Gotcha. So that's, that's the first thing. Second thing as well is make sure you've got a centralized filing system such as Dropbox. We okay. store all our things centrally there. Anything needs to be shared between the staff, we put that all into there. Another quick um, tool you, you know, that I wait, recommend. Before you move on from there, I want to, because I'm thinking about this now and I'm just in the process, I actually set this up today. I, I've been hearing a lot of people recommend um, setting up wikis and, oh, yeah. and, and using that to put your content there in terms of tr showing your outsourcers how to do things. Now, is, would that be something you'd use in, in conjunction with Basecamp or does Basecamp do the same thing? Well, I see this is how I do it. I don't use Basecamp to store the training materials. Wiki would be great for storing all the training materials like gotcha. how you train and proceduralize your whole system in your business. Okay. What I do is I store all the documents inside Dropbox and also all our training videos are inside Dropbox as well. And that's how I basically oh. have that all set up. The reason is because one, Dropbox is an easy drag and drop function so I can just drag documents in there, update it whenever I need to and so oh. forth. And also too, um, yeah, we store videos as well online there. Um, but also too, if you want to find out um, a, a good way to be able to store a lot of stuff online to share and um, use calendars together is Google Apps. I yes. use Google Apps for everything that I have. Okay. Um, so you can integrate Google Apps with your email applications, mm -hmm. which is what we do for our backend. Uh, basically, Google Apps is our backbone for our mailing. So everything that goes through outsourcing live, uh, mass outsource, all that's all done through Google Apps. All our docs, all our calendar, all our Excel spreadsheets, all of those things are all inside Google Apps. And um, it's even now possible, I think, to in integrate very soon into Google+. Plus. That's even better. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, yeah, those are some of the tools that I use. One other tool I just wanted to recommend is a tool called LastPass. Oh, yeah. I the good it. thing about... Yeah, LastPass is awesome because the great thing is that you can store all your passwords mm -hmm. and all your emails addresses and usernames and all that kind of stuff in there to be able to automatically fill into those websites. And as I mentioned, we've got different niche sites, but we've got different accounts for different article directories, uh -huh. different submission services. You can't remember all that yourself. So use LastPass to be able to store all that and that's what we do. We centralize that and everybody has access to that system. If they need to access a password, it's all in there and I don't need to keep, they don't need to keep asking me saying, what's the password for that? What's the username for that? They just know where it is, go and access it and then do what they need to do. So that is that so important to be able to run your business is a system like that. Now to manage them, to communicate with them and to really have things automated, make sure you do have good um, communication tools. I use Skype on a 
monthly uh-huh. basis and also weekly basis to communicate with them. Okay. I very I don't really hop onto Skype to talk to them very much nowadays because I've taken a hands-off approach okay. and basically I set projects for them to to meet results and to meet the timelines and deadlines. So therefore, I can actually spend weeks without talking to them and um, manage other things and do things. I mean, they, they, they send me daily reports to let me know what they're doing because I trust them and I know what they're doing. But I don't really need to communicate with them as, as often as I used to. Mm-hmm. And that can happen once you've got your systems in place because they know what the procedures are, they know what needs to be done and they just keep doing what they need to do. Um, so yeah, Skype is one tool to use to communicate. Okay. Jing, Jing project is what I've been using a lot okay. in the past and still today to be able to communicate exactly what I need to be done in the project. And basically Basecamp is to set those to-do lists and projects in place. And that's how I manage the team. And um, I make sure at the beginning when you do start managing a process with them is to set boundaries in place. And I've talked about this to a lot of people is just to share about boundaries is when, when I say boundaries is set them up with an expectation that if they complete work and they get it done, they can be rewarded. Yeah. If they don't get work to be completed and it's delayed or so forth, either you cut their pay or you delay their pay uh-huh. or set some kind of um, consequence that's in place so that they, that way they understand what are the rules and guidelines. And as long as they understand that, then they have freedom to move within these boundaries to get the work completed and get the things done on time. Awesome. That's a lot of stuff, a lot of content. <laughs> um, and I know that somebody's listening to this and they're saying, oh my word, that's so many things. I got to think about Dropbox. I got to think about LastPass and all these kind of stuff. But fortunately, I know that you have a lot of resources that they can plug into, um, that they can learn about outsourcing the different details about the things that you have spoken about. So this is time for shameless self-promotion. <laughs> um, so go ahead and let us know what you have because I've been through uh, a lot of your training and it's helped you me have, a lot. Actually. Yes. So go ahead and talk. Tell what it is and what it does because the people need to hear. Okay. Well, first thing is uh, you can access uh, 10 free videos that I have mm-hmm. at massoutsource.com. Mm-hmm. If you go to the massoutsource.com, which is spelled M-A-S-S, outsource.com, you can just sign up to my 10 free videos which will give, give you step-by-step step on how to outsource. So therefore, everything I've just talked to you about there, shared with you is actually in a step-by-step sequential order. Okay. So it goes from step one of where to find people, how to find people, how to hire them, all the way to managing all that stuff. Once you get that material, um, yeah, start implementing that because everything that I provide there is all for free okay. and you know it's very easy to be able to take the action on that. And the thing is, is that I know, I don't know, 80% of the people just take this information but just don't implement or take action. Yeah. That's one thing I just got to tell people, take action. I know that this stuff works because I've had so many people thank me for it and guarantee that it works. Now, if you struggle with, I guess, finding the people and um, needing assistance, we do have the Mass Outsource Mastermind program. Uh-huh. And once you sign Good up to program. the free newsletter, um, after that, you can actually get access to it in, as a trial there. So inside, there'll, there'll be a trial to be able to get access to that. Just um, make sure you get all the videos and you'll be able to get access to that. And that's basically my program where I take you step-by-step, holding your hand, even providing access to a community of people and also a ton of resources on how to outsource inside the membership there. And um, yeah, there's a special price in there right now. So just check it out and you'll be able to get more information there. And um, yeah, Leslie can put a link down below on this video as well too to be able to get access to it as well. It, it, and they, I guess you know, finally... They, um, yeah. Uh, no, go ahead. So continue with what you no, said. I was just going to say, say, if you do want... Um, pretty much weekly up-to-dates because we post three times on our blog at Outsourcing Live, which is outsourcinglive.com. You'll be able to get all the tips that we talk about and things on how to outsource. And I have weekly interviews with people who outsource. You know, I'll definitely be getting Leslie on a call very soon to talk about his outsourcing journey. Awesome. But we have a lot of case studies, there, case studies there to be able to share with you how people are currently outsourcing and how it works for them as well. So check that out at outsourcinglive.com. Awesome. Now I'm pretty open with my with my listeners, um, so I'll just <laughs> let them know. Um, you do have an affiliate program for that. Yes, I do. Okay, and, um, sweet. I'm gonna set that up, and you guys can use my affiliate link if you wanna, you know, sure. give me a little <laughs> something. Um, LearningWithLeslie.com/slash/mass-outsource. M-A-S-S-outsource. LearningWithLeslie.com/slash 
mass outsource if you want to go and check out his stuff. The videos are free, 10 free videos. They're good videos. But not just that, the content in the premium membership is great. I went through it. I watched all the videos. I know he gives you a lot of resources. He shows you exactly how to do the thing. You even give people content to train their outsourcers. Yes, absolutely. That's something I'm glad that you just did raise up. So if you for a majority of the content that's in there actually, there's probably the first two modules which is shows you what to do to mm -hmm. how to hire people for outsourcing. And then the rest of the modules, you just basically pick that up and give it to your virtual staff and they'll watch through all those resources and actually take them step by step what to do. So you don't even need to spend time training them. That's how easy it is. And plus, there's plenty of content in there to be able to show them how to be able to do exactly what we've done with our niche sites. If you, if you don't even have a business right now and you're wanting to build a niche site or build a business, just take those, those um, videos that we have in there and just give it to your virtual staff and let them do the work for you. And it's good content. I highly recommend it. Um, so check it out. Thanks, hey, Tyrone, thank you so much for joining me on the call today. This was good. This was great information. Um, and I know that my listeners got a lot of value from it. So guys, go out and check out his blog. Outsourcinglive.com is his blog. If you want to check out Mass Outsource, Mass, uh, Mass Outsource, the free videos, learningwithflesley.com slash Mass Outsource. And um, I think that's it, right? That's it. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Not a problem. This was great. Any last words you want to add before we chime out? Just want to let people know to take action and to just make sure that if you are <laughs> um, getting all those videos and stuff like that, just take it on board and take your step-by-step, -step, go through and just take plenty of action because I think that's all you need to do. You know, Once you get these things, it's all laid out for you. And this is why I like this guy. He uses the same words that I use all the time. Take action. If you don't take action, nothing's going to happen. You can't do the same thing and expect different results. So go ahead and take action. Tyrone, thank you so much for joining me. And we'll catch up. Likewise. Thank you.